0: Hey there. Welcome to the Fleet FYS podcast, the weekly podcast by Utilamark that reveals how you can make the most of your data for smarter fleet management. My name is Gretchen and every week you'll hear from me or some of the industry's finest in candid conversations that will not only shed some light on over two decades worth of fleet data insights, but also some of the industry's hottest talking points and key metric analysis with the aim to help you better understand your fleet from every angle. But before we begin, if this is the first time you've heard our show, thanks for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to come along for the ride with us, but I've got a quick favor to ask you. Once you finish today's episode, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate it. Give us a rating, five stars I hope, or tell us what you liked or leave us a comment or a question about what you've heard in today's episode. If we haven't yet covered a topic that you're interested in hearing more about, let us know. We would be happy to go over it in detail in a later show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. It seems like every fleet today is searching for a simple answer to their sustainability concerns, and whether that be exploring alternative fuels, using data analytics to minimize waste, or phasing out internal combustion engine vehicles. It's pretty clear, at least to me, that there's no quick fix, especially as each fleet is unique in its operation and its needs. And sustainability is complicated. We all know I love sounding a bit like a broken record on this topic, especially on this show, so if you've heard this before, please bear with me, but it doesn't make it any less true. Sustainability is multifaceted in every sense of the term, and as the true word nerd that I am myself... I mean it when I say that. And we'll be digging into this topic in a very near future episode, so I hope you will stay tuned for that one. But anyways, for those looking to phase out ICE vehicles, the go-to alternative, as you probably already know, is electric vehicles. There are nearly 100 different models of EVs on the market today, and the promise of electric pickup trucks in the near future is an exciting prospect as well. But for fleets with heavier-duty vehicles... EVs might not be an option for a long time, which can be a bit of a frustration to say the least. The thing is, is another technology is being explored and invested into by OEMs, and that's hydrogen-powered vehicles, which I find particularly fascinating. There is a ton of potential for using the most abundant element on Earth to power vehicles, though the idea has not become mainstream as of yet. I mean, you know, we don't see hydrogen fuel cell vehicles out on the road all the time. But in this episode, we will take a look into how these two ICE vehicle alternatives work, how they compare, and how they perform in terms of sustainability strategy. Let's dig in. so hydrogen fuel cell vehicles well hydrogen vehicles also known as fuel cell electric vehicles which is the acronym FCEVs, use hydrogen as their main source of fuel These vehicles shall promise as sustainable ice vehicle alternatives as they don't rely on heavy, heavy polluting fuels, nor do they need an electric charge from what some people call a dirty grid, which otherwise is known as a coal power grid. But we've gotten into that in past episodes, one specifically on microgrids. So if you haven't listened to that one, make sure you take note. It's a really good one, if I do say so myself. But though FCEV technology is still in its early stages, they are believed to get up to 400 miles up range per tank of hydrogen fuel. Still, they have yet to reach mass adoption for several reasons, such as a suboptimal design and a general market focus on electric vehicles instead. There's also a little bit of fuel efficiency um, thrown in there too, but I'll dig into that a little bit later. But right now there are currently only two FCEV passenger models available for purchase right now first being the Toyota Mirai and the Hyundai Nexo. Additionally, the market for FCEVs is expected to grow about $42 million by about $42 million by 2026, which is kind of interesting. But I wanted to dig into the bones of this type of technology. For example, how they work. Well, just like battery electric vehicles, FCEVs have an electric motor and no internal combustion engine that I'm sure is probably pretty easy to assume. But instead, they use a propulsion system that converts hydrogen into electricity to power the motor. Now, this happens by hydrogen in the tank entering the fuel cell, where it mixes with pure oxygen, creating a chemical reaction that generates electricity to power the motor. Through this process of electrolysis, though, nearly 60% 60% of total energy is lost, which is significantly higher than the 20% lost in EVs. So like I said, this could be a major weak point in FCEV technology, which will absolutely need to improve if hydrogen vehicles are ever to be widely adopted. I mean, you think gas prices are expensive now. Well, hydrogen fuel, that would be a lot, especially if you're only using 40% of total energy of the tank of fuel that you're putting into your car. Now, battery electric vehicles, or EVs, are different from FCEVs because whilst they also have an electric motor, they are powered externally by electricity rather than internally by fuel. Unlike FCEVs who don't require any additional infrastructure, EVs can have quite a high cost of acquisition for fleets as the vehicles depend on an electric vehicle supply equipment for fueling itself. I mean, we've all heard charging equipment and charging infrastructure, where to put what? It's all a really big conversation and a huge piece of actually your electrification strategy as a whole. Now, EVs come in a wide range of models with numerous passenger vehicles on the market, as well as some pickup trucks, vans, and buses that are on the market right now. Vehicle range can vary widely as well, and OEMs often offer a standard and extended range version of the same vehicle. However, the downside here is there aren't really heavy-duty options available yet to fill this need for fleets when they really need them. And one concern with electric vehicles moving forward is the weight of the lithium-ion battery inside. The best example that I can give you is one of, say, for example, an electric trash vehicle or refuse vehicle. The weight of the battery itself could potentially counter with the weight of the trash that is typically on the back end of every trash truck that you see now and heavier the weight of the battery, well, that might mean that you might be able to carry out less trash or at least less stops to pick up trash. So then your routes might alter a little bit and it might not be as efficient. But anyways, as heavier duty vehicles will need greater battery power, these batteries will inevitably need to be larger and heavier, which again, that's back to the logistical concerns there it could pose a pretty big problem. But still, the electric vehicle market has grown quite quickly, projected to reach, I believe the number was right around $802 by 2027. So innovations are expected to come over time. I mean, it's a vastly changing industry. The amount of change has shrunk from maybe the big changes seen every five years to now maybe every one year or two years. I mean, it's moving so fast now and it might even be down to six months. We don't really know. But to get into how these work, because that's a big part of this too. Since EVs have no internal combustion engine, they rely on an electric motor. We all knew this, and a battery pack to power the vehicle itself. Now, the lithium-ion battery is charged using the charging plug of the user's choice, with plugs ranging in charging speed and infrastructure costs. Energy is then stored in the lithium-ion batteries, which are used due to their ability to store a high level of energy in a relatively small amount of mass, which is pretty exciting. But most EVs on the market now get between about 150 to 300 miles of range on a full charge, with newer models being released with extended range options. But again, a lot of this, keep in mind, is reliant on anecdotal data where we are looking at no accessories running, so we are talking about heating, cooling, radio all of the stuff that is powered by the battery we are talking about a very very low payload so maybe just one driver in the driver's seat that's not talking about a full back seat or someone in the passenger seat too or the car actually towing anything so keep that in mind before you actually purchase an ev or before you explore your options there too So the biggest question out there right now, how do EVs and fuel cell electric vehicles compare? Well, there's various factors that have contributed to the greater success of electric vehicles as a whole, leaving a pretty big untapped potential for fuel cell electric vehicles. If we want to dig into a couple of those factors, which of course I do, we're looking at primarily availability and sustainability being our top two. For availability, one problem that's present for both internal combustion engine vehicle alternatives is the lack of options for diverse fleets. Though there are a few FCEV models and around 100 EV options for managers looking to phase out their traditional gas vehicles, there is still a major lack when it comes to anything heavier duty than passenger vehicles which is a bit ironic because you think with all of all of the buzz surrounding electric vehicles, you'd think that it'd be further along than it is. But part of that is a supply chain issue. And right now we're actually looking at if you wanted to order a vehicle now, it might arrive in two years. So it's a little bit of a challenge. But a major reason why hydrogen vehicles haven't quite taken off yet is due to the major focus on electric vehicles as the primary replacement for ICE vehicles. Now we're talking the battery EVs, right? Now, for example, Honda recently discontinued their own hydrogen model in 2021, and some OEMs that had previously committed to developing fuel cell electric vehicles had gone back on their plans, showing some hesitation for investing into this new hydrogen vehicle technology. But on the other hand, the EV market is consistently growing year over year with new offerings for electric passenger vehicles, vans, and trucks, which is really exciting, now, the second factor here is sustainability, and I know we've all heard the word a lot in the past, and especially right now, doesn't mean that it's lowering in importance. It's still going to be a primary focus for years coming, you know, maybe the next 5, 10, even before, or be even beyond that, in terms of the amount of times we're worrying about sustainability. Now, Another important point to consider is the sustainability of these technologies. You know, it goes hand in hand here, right? But the idea is so fundamental to the purpose of these vehicles. Several studies have found that as things are now, it's far more sustainable to power a vehicle with hydrogen than to charge it from an electric grid. This is due to several factors. Well, hydrogen is one of the most abundant elements on Earth. It has incredibly Incredibly high energy content by weight, and it is also considered the cleanest fuel available, as it burns completely cleanly, emitting exhaust that is pure water, and it also takes in carbon from the atmosphere to actually create the fuel. Though EVs emit no exhaust at all, most greenhouse gases associated with electric vehicles come primarily from coal-powered grids, which can be a bit of a challenge. The whole concept of instead of eliminating your tailpipe emissions, you're actually just moving them somewhere else. And national grids will inevitably face a renewable energy transformation in the upcoming decades, actually probably sooner than that, which will help to make electric vehicles a truly net zero emissions option for fleets. However, as it stands now, hydrogen provides a more sustainable, but at this point, much more expensive solution. Because like I said, there's about 60% of a loss in energy per amount of fuel every single time you are burning hydrogen fuel. Regardless of how your fleet decides to approach a sustainability strategy, one thing remains eminently clear. There are plenty of options for actually doing so. There's no single solution that will work for all fleets. As we know, sustainability is multifaceted and it is not a one-size-fits-all solution. And strategies should be prepared to be as flexible as possible as policies and technologies continue to evolve. It's always worth staying informed on the current options for your fleet rather than trying to play catch-up down the line. But I'm curious to know, what do you all think of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles? Are you as intrigued as I am? Let me know. Send me an email. Tag me on LinkedIn. Or use the hashtag Fleet FYIs. Or you can even send me a carrier pigeon if you like. I'm not judging here. Anyways, that is all from me this week. I will chat to you again next Thursday. Make sure you are all tuning in. Ciao. Hey there. I think this is the time that I should cue the virtual high five because you've just finished listening to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. If you're already wanting more content, head over to utilimark.com, which is utilimark with a C, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com for this episode's show notes and extra insights coming straight from our analysts to you. That's all from me this week. So until next time, I'll catch you later.